magic lamp. Wonder what happens when I rub it. You have awakened me. I shall grant you three wishes. My first wish is for economic development. My second wish is to save hours of travel time. And my third wish is to create safer roads. You could have just wished for bus rapid transit and gotten all these things with one wish. Make all your transit wishes come true. Learn more about bus rapid transit at indigo.net slash bus dash rapid dash transit. Good morning. It is Thursday, September 14th. It's six minutes after nine. You're listening to Kendall and Casey on 93 WIBC. His name is Rob Kendall. You can find him on Twitter at Rob M. Kendall. My name is Casey Daniels. I'm there too. Casey Daniels 317. And we're both on YouTube right now. If you type in Kendall and Casey into the YouTube search bar. So coming up within this hour, we've got Jim Merritt joining us. We're going to talk about the governor's speeches in Hamilton County that took place. Also, the Washington Post came out and said, Biden shouldn't run. Yes, that from the Washington Post. (laughs) But we begin this hour talking about Mitt Romney. He announced that he's not running for re-election. All right, Casey. So I think our theme for today is going to be deceptive pieces of garbage who exist in the government. (laughs) And uh, we're going to play you some audio of a local elected official who looked essentially 30,000 people in the eye and lied right to their face. And look, I've seen it all, and I've never seen something this bad and this blatant and this brazen from right here in central Indiana. We're going to make that. That's my new thing on this show, Casey. Yeah. The only, Nathan Hale famously said, my only regret is I have but one life to give for my country. My only regret, Casey, is I have but one wildly popular radio show (laughs) to, to broadcast the absolute disgraceful behavior that takes place in government. And if we're talking about disgraceful behavior, behavior that takes place in government. Mm -hmm. Mitt Romney has to be right at the top of the list because that guy is a completely disingenuous skis ball who has no moral compass whatsoever. And as you've seen him shape shift throughout his political life, will do and say whatever he needs to do and say in whatever room he is in to one, be liked and to ensure his own power. You know, who's most upset about this is the Democrat Party. Yeah. That Mitt Romney is leaving. They're losing a reliable vote. Absolutely they are. So he was a one-term governor, a one-term senator, a twice-defeated presidential candidate. He went to a BLM parade wearing a mask. He voted for the infrastructure bill and he was pro-gun control. This so is bye-bye. This is why I have largely given up on the Republican Party as a collective is because you look at who the Republican Party puts forward and makes the power brokers. They put guys who are known for their losing, which Mitt Romney is. You realize Mitt Romney lost not once but twice running for president. Yes. He was so bad he lost to John McCain <laughs> and then said, oh, that's not enough. Hold my beer. And Gave away a presidential election against Obama. Got totally emasculated by Candy Crowley. It's the most amazing thing I've ever seen. And what did the Republican Party do? Instead of looking at that guy and going, you're pathetic and a complete zero. Get the hell out of here. They elevated him. First of all, he moved to another state. Right. Somehow, a guy who claimed his home was Michigan ended up being the governor of Massachusetts. And then went out to Utah. And then became a senator in Utah. I mean, if you want to look up professional office hopper in the dictionary, Mitt Romney would be right there front and center. And what do the Republicans do? They elevate this guy as a power broker, as the voice of reason, as the guy people need to go to and kiss the ring finger to. 
This is why I hate the Republicans, because this is what they do all the damn time. Here's a guy who was born with a silver spoon in his mouth, and what is he really good at? Well, he takes over companies, he fires everyone, runs up the debt, and then takes the capital and bails. That's what Mitt Romney is good at. Okay, so here is Mitt Romney. Uh, Let's do give credit where credit is due, because by Senate standards, Mitt Romney is a very young man. He's, uh, what is he? He's got to be mid to late 70s now. 71, I believe. No, he's got to be older than that. He was in his mid-60s when he ran for president. 76. There you go. Thank you. Yes. Um, so by that standard, I mean, he is still in an apprenticeship <laughs> in the U.S. Senate. Mm-hmm. However, he did admit, I'm an old geezer and it's time for me to go. I've spent my last 25 years in public service of one kind or another. <laughs> At the end of another term, I'd be in my mid-80s. Uh-huh. Frankly, it's time for a new generation of leaders. They're the ones that need to make the decisions that will shape the world they will be living in. Now, we face critical challenges, mounting national debt, climate change, and the ambitious authoritarians of Russia and China. Neither President Biden nor former President Trump are leading their party to confront those issues. On deficits and debt, Both men refuse to address entitlements, even though they know that this represents two-thirds of federal spending. Okay, stop, 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 because I'm going to just put my fist right through this monitor if I have to hear his voice anymore. (laughs) Now, he's not wrong about the spending and the entitlements. Mm -hmm. The problem is... This a-hole keeps voting for all the spending. Yes, he does. He voted for the infrastructure bill. This is the thing. This is, you know, the infrastructure, the COVID stuff, all the spending. And then they'll go out and Todd Young does the exact same thing. Remember the Stop Washington Waste Tour? Well, what waste would you like to stop? As I asked him at the Stacks Pancake House. You remember when he moved aggressively towards me with the burly armed deputy behind him? Well, I'm not I'm not stopping any of it. But you were just on a stop Washington Waste spending tour. <laughs> and he's not going to stop ever. He the, told you that he's going to continue the, and spending. This, and this is what these guys do. And here is why, and if you listen very closely, Romney admitted why he's not running for re-election. It's not that he thinks he's too old. It's not that he thinks it's time for a new group of people. He wants to savagely bludgeon Donald Trump. And he knows there's no way he can win a Republican primary if he is out on the attack Mm -hmm. against Donald Trump. We see people like Chris Christie. What are they at? They're at two or three. He knows he wouldn't win. And destroying Trump, Mm -hmm. he made it very clear. You have to, this is why the show is so popular. This is why people listen, because we tell you what's actually going on. It's not some noble thing. It's not that he's getting out of the way for the next group of people. By the way, he has been actively engaged in elected office or attempting to secure elected office, Casey, since I was 14 years old. Mm-hmm. I am damn near 40. <laughs> and it's just now dawned on him, it's time for someone else. Well, to- he looked over his shoulder and he saw what happened to Liz Cheney and he said, I don't want to do that. The do not, do not, do not, do not, do not under any circumstance believe that this guy is a good guy, that he's doing something noble. And even, and you notice he said, what is it? It's climate change mm-hmm. and it, it, nothing about inflation, nothing about the border, n- nothing about crime in the country. I mean, it's, it's, uh, it's, it's the climate change. Yeah. Climate change is a, 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 the second most pressing issue in front of us. And the number one pressing issue, which is uh, the deficit, 
I haven't done jack crap to stop. Oh, it's also there. this guy that he doesn't like very much named Donald Trump who is just killing it in all the polls. By the way, there is a Deseret News poll in June that said 47% of Republicans say that Donald Trump best represented them and Mitt Romney was scoring 39%. What were the numbers again? Trump at 47, Romney at 39. Yeah, look, again... You are on a fool's errand if you think, and this is why when we talked about the midterms, I'm not even all that disappointed that the Republicans didn't win because they never follow through on anything. They never uphold their end of the bargain. They, you know, they're going kicking and screaming on this impeachment thing with Biden, and they're only doing that because McCarthy will lose the speakership if he doesn't. There's zero reason to vote for these people. They consistently give you zero reason to vote for them, and I submit to the jury evidence item A, Mitt Romney. <laughs> he said that in. In his post-Senate life, he's going to focus on bringing young people into politics. Donald oh. Trump, very excited about this. He released a statement in all capital letters, by the way. <laughs> it started off saying, fantastic news for America, the great state of Utah, and for the Republican Party. So Romney, who's not running for re-election, and Romney, who voted to remove Donald Trump from office over a phone call, says he sees nothing on Biden. How did you deal with China? How about a so, impeachment on a, another impeachment trial, potentially? Uh, you know, I know the House is beginning an impeachment inquiry. Um, I haven't heard any allegation of something that would rise to the level of a high crime or misdemeanor. I think it would be very unusual to actually see a referral of impeachment. I, I don't expect that. Stop it. Yes. Okay, thank you. <laughs> like, I'm, I, like, I'm just, I'm, I'm seething. Like, I'm, I'm, I imagine... If I were a cartoon character, the steam would be coming out of my ears. This this is who these and we have said this so many times on this show. And these people keep proving us correct that if you are a conservative, if you are a liberty minded person, if you are a person who hates the federal government and hates government in general and the way they lord over you and attempt to destroy you at every turn, Mitt Romney and Mitch McConnell and Todd Young and the rest of the Good Time Fun Gang hate you more than the Democrats. Trump made a phone call asking Zelensky to investigate the exact stuff that is now all being proven about Biden, about the pay-for-play scheme. Everything Trump said is happening. They impeached him for that. Oh, that's fine. Trump made a video and told everybody to go home. Oh, that's fine. Absolutely, we should go forward with that. But a guy who is caught red-handed, dead to rights, in a pay-for-play scheme. We have heard countless hours of testimony about this. The text messages, the emails, the laptop. Mm -hmm. Uh, I don't see anything over there that would warrant the rise of impeachment. Nothing to see here. Nothing to see here. It is 60 minutes after nine. You're listening to Kendall and Casey on 93 WIBC. Life is so much more than a diagnosis. It's about sharing time with those you love, hanging with friends who lift you up, and experiencing all those moments that bring you joy. All hits, no skips. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. So long live singing to the oldies, jamming out to something new, and everything in between. Biden shouldn't run. 
that's what he said. It is 921. You're listening to Kendall and Casey on 93 WIBC. So this is a Washington Post columnist. His name is David Ignatius. and he's Ignatius. Ignatius. He's a prominent liberal voice, and he's a big supporter of Joe Biden. But he has joined the ranks of people who believe that Joe Biden should not run in 24. <laughs> and he brought up his age as one of the top reasons why. He said that his age isn't just a Fox News trope. It's the subject of dinner table conversations across the country this summer, and he's not wrong with that. You know, there's an old there was an old saying during the Vietnam years when Walter Cronkite came out and basically put the knife in uh, Lyndon Johnson and the Vietnam War. And then the saying became, you know, if you've lost Cronkite, you've lost the nation. And so if you have lost, uh, not to in any way put David Ignatius on the same level as Walter Cronkite, but if you've lost David Ignatius, then you have lost the Democrats and you have lost the left. And uh, look, a lot of left people still read the Washington Post. Clearly their readership is down, Mm -hmm. but people still read that. It still has influence on the left. And for him to come out and say the obvious, which is that Biden is too old and too feeble to do this and just take, I mean, I don't even think he goes in depth on the corruption stuff or anything like that. I just think it's just the guy's a goof. I mean, the guy is if you saw him shuffling down the street, you'd say, sir, may I help you to the bus stop or your next destination? Because I'm worried about you being out on your own. And he's running the country. Mm -hmm. He's running the country. Casey. Yeah, he's he has the running it into the ground. Is yes. what he's doing. He has the nuclear code. Yes. Codes, plural. There's more than one. Well, a new inflation report just came out this week, and it says that uh, it's still hot. I mean, prices rose 0.6% in August, 3.7% over the past 12 months. That's according to the Consumer Price Index. That's not binomics. That's not a spin. That's actual fact. Credit card debt topping $1 trillion. Americans draining their 401k. All of this uh, with a guy who would be 86 years old if he won re-election when he left office. Well, our theme for the show, as we said today, is politicians who lie and deceive the public and they do this for their own benefit and they do this whether it is to be liked or, you know, power or whatever. Usually it's a compilation of all those. And again, coming up here in a little bit, we're going to get to, I mean, just brazen, blatant deception and lying locally that it is like, it it may, it may, like if there was a trophy, if we could give a trophy for this thing we're about to talk about in a little bit, Mm -hmm. this would be the grand winner of all time. (laughs) Just, I'm going to laugh at you as I lie right to your face awards. Uh, But this is, this is really no different in the sense of the Democrats as a party are deceiving the American people in the sense of you have you have pundit after pundit, and by pundit, I mean elected official after elected official, who will walk out there and go, Joe Biden is fine. No, he seems very together. I think he's doing a wonderful job for humanity and the American people. And they will say it with a straight face. All trust is gone in politics. We can't even acknowledge we have a uh, mentally deteriorating senior citizen who should not be left on his own, much less running the country in charge of 330 million people. I don't know if you saw any uh, clips from that cancer moonshot cabinet meeting that they had yesterday with Biden, but Jill Biden was sitting yes. right next to Joe Biden, and at one point reporters were asking him about the impeachment inquiry, and he just sat there stone-faced, didn't say anything, and she tapped him on the arm and started whispering to him like to uh, distract him. Why was Jill Biden in the cabinet meeting did anybody elect her no 
Well, who, but wh- why does why do elderly people who don't want to go to a senior citizen home have caretakers that come over? Because they can't be left alone, right? That is the equivalent of Joe Biden cannot clearly now cannot be left alone. Look at what he's done just this week uh, on the 9-11 stuff, Casey. Yeah. He can't be left on his own. And somebody's got to be there to be like, make sure grandpa, you know, I guess has is fed whatever line he needs to be fed to avoid further embarrassment now rfk jr you love him you once groped him rfkj uh you there's a photo there's a photo of you uh (laughs) i did not grope very very um i mean i don't think (laughs) that that picture was taken long before i ever saw him without a shirt on yeah but i mean you knew what you were dealing with (laughs) and you had some conversations probably about that crooked carrot website or what i don't know what you know whatever that thing is uh but you like him (laughs) and um he is challenging biden to debate you know a lot of people say that well, President Biden is surrounded by <coughs> by very good people who will run the country even if he can't. But I don't think that's a good way for democracy to work. And, you know, unelected people and you know, lanyards are going to be making critical decisions at a very, very difficult time in our history. And that it's important for the American people to know that their president has the vigor to handle this very rigorous job. And I think there are enough doubts about that now that President Biden really needs to come out and have unscripted uh, meetings and, and interactions with voters, that he needs to do some town halls and some retail politics and hopefully a debate to, so that the American people can make a choice about whether or not the president is up to the job. He says that he thinks Biden needs to prove to voters that unelected people aren't running the White House and that they need to make the choice whether or not he's up to the job. I think we all see he's up to the job. And of course, recent polling shows that he's not up to the job when 77% of Americans think that he's too old for it. All right, let's take a break. When we come back, the UAW strike could be within a matter of hours, it appears. And you have a new side piece with some incredible data about sports Mm -hmm. betting in Indiana. We're this spending a lot of money really on betting. interesting stuff, yeah. All right, it is Kendall and Casey on 93 WIBC. We get it almost every night. To win, we're likely going to have to take action. That's what the UAW president said in a Facebook Live. It is 9.35. You're listening to Kendall and Casey on 93 WIBC. I just have a quick question before we get to the UAW, because this is a huge, huge deal. Um, Kev playing the King Harvest, Mm -hmm. Dancing in the Moonlight. Yeah. I have no idea, and I'm just winging this, if King Harvest is even still a thing, if any of the members are still alive. I have absolutely no idea. But if you went to see King Harvest in concert, Mm -hmm. what do they do? Just like a 93-minute version of (laughs) Dancing in the Moonlight? I'm sure they have other songs. uh, Do they? Well, Can you name one? No. Well, so like, what would you... That would be the finale, right? The encore at the end? I don't know. The hit! You have to... (laughs) (laughs) We waited an hour and a half. I I mean, there are certain people... People who have, and we've always joked about, I love the Steve Forbear song, Romeo's Tune, mm-hmm. who, Bertie Higgins is another one with Key Largo. Mm-hmm. Um, it's like these guys who just have one, one song. thing. The Own Eaters. It's a, it's, a, it's, a <laughs> it's a mega smash and forever it's, you know, played, it's still played today on Solid Gold Radio, etc. But what the hell would you listen to at a King Harvest? <laughs> hey, we've got tickets to King Harvest. 
Well, hopefully it's play. It, they would be playing in a place that uh, offers adult libations, <laughs> so you can mill about while you're waiting for the hit. Uh, sorry, I didn't mean to. Do, I just, I was uh, just popped into my head as I heard that song, and I've long pondered uh, that UAW about to go on strike. Sorry. Yeah, they are. So they're outlining their plans for a series of strikes, and it could be the first ever simultaneous strike against the Detroit Three automakers if agreements aren't reached by late today. Okay, so I want to point out, and I know we have many people who listen who work and are tied into this and so we we welcome you and we love you now i'm going to give you the facts and then people can decide what who's in the right and who's in the wrong here because everybody deserves a you know to be able to make as much money as they possibly can and you know that's on you if you want to go through a union to do that i don't think that's in your best interest but that's your decision so apparently according to reuters Mm -hmm. the offer made to these folks was a 20% pay raise Mm -hmm. over four years. Yeah, four and a half years. Yeah, four and a half years. Yeah. Uh, In addition to some other things, but that's the big one is the pay. Now, if someone came to you and said, I will give you a 20% pay raise over the next four and a half years, to me, that seems like an employer who's negotiating in good faith. Yeah. If 20% over four years, given the condition of this economy, is not in good faith or not uh, a, a, a viable number, what are you what are you wanting? I mean, you're let's face More. it. More. Right. But I mean, <laughs> look to me, and look, I'm not saying every person involved, it's like teachers, et cetera. There's people with varying degrees. Management does not necessarily represent the, every person. But my goodness, do you realize the public perception when somebody's saying, you're offered twice... I mean, this is here. It is like here's this here. We will give you a twenty percent pay raise over four and a half years. Mm-hmm. Nope. Do you realize how that plays out to the average person? It doesn't look good. And you are doing this because you know. And again, it's not every person. It's not the rank and file. But as management as a collective has convinced the rank and file. Well, we have the ability to do strong damage to the American economy, and we're going to use that to the best of our ability. That really angers people. Mm-hmm. Now, I get that if your wallet is your primary objective, you don't care whether the average person is angry at you or not. But my goodness, that plays out just horribly to regular people saying you're turning down a 20% pay raise. Yeah, you said it could cost a lot of money. If they go on strike, the big three, for 10 days, it could cost the car makers, suppliers, and workers over $5 billion a lot of money um and i see okay here they go it's happening in the chat Mm -hmm. you do realize this industry would oh we only had this race since blah 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 you know what industries fail all the time i'm sorry but industries and companies fail all the time and this industry and this company would have failed a long time ago if it were not for the american taxpayer the american taxpayer saved this industry you know what they haven't saved radio radio's been left to fend for itself you know what Pay sucks in this business. But you know what? We chose to work here. We don't threaten to shut down huge portions of the American economy. It is not your employer's obligation to give you more money just because of the industry in which you work. This industry should have gone, or these specific companies, these specific groups of people should have gone out of business a long time ago. We all remember 08 and 09. I'm sorry if people are mad about this, but this is the truth on this. We all remember 08 and 09. You know why they should have gone out of business? Because of a union leadership that never would just accept reasonable for an answer. It was always more. It was always more. It was always more. And then what happened? Well, oh my gosh, there's a crisis and the American taxpayer must bail us out. 
That's not how it should have ever worked to begin with. And I'm sorry if that's alienating listeners right now. I simply don't care because I am so sick of people who have the ability to strong arm their way into more money, utilizing their leverage over the American economy and screwing up millions of other people's jobs who have nothing to do with you in the process. I'm sick of it. Okay, so Ford said that uh, the future of the industry is at stake and they want to do everything they can to avert a disastrous outcome. But I'm curious with these workers, would they accept the 20% if they get some of their other demands met? For example, they want the 32-hour work week, right? And they want job security guarantees. So if you get the 32-hour work week, is the 20% pay increase okay? Or are you still asking for the 40%? Uh, Look, and again, everybody's free to do what they want to do. You're free to go on strike. I'm telling you right now, That if you think that that there is some play when it is public that you have been offered a 20% pay raise over four and a half years, which I can guarantee you is more than the average person is getting over the next four and a half years, especially about this economy that we're in and about to go into. If you think the public is going to look at you and say, boy, those poor auto workers, they're not going to do it. They're not going to do it. Many people would kill for a 20% percent pay raise over the next four and a half years and would absolutely take that and consider themselves very lucky you are free to go on strike you are free to suffer the ramifications of that but you're not going to get sympathy here because that it seems like a very fair offer to me and it seems like a reasonable offer and i am you know me i'm loathe to be on the side of big business of any sort but on this one that seems very reasonable and i've yet to hear a single solitary person tell me why that is unreasonable now if someone wants to come on if you guys go on strike and tomorrow there's some local rep who wants to come on this program rob at wibc.com you send me an email we will have you on and you can tell me why a 20 percent pay raise over the next four plus years is unreasonable i'm all ears did you realize that you sounded like the airplane lady just then you said i am telling you right now I don't even know if you realize that you said that. Uh, Really quickly, let's uh, turn our attention to the side piece on WIBC.com. It is about Indiana sports betting. And there's been a huge increase in sports betting over the past couple of years. 176% jump since 2020. And how much do you think Hoosiers bet every single year? Their average handle? Four hundred twenty-seven dollars. Now I know that's not you, and that may be a wow. Nigel Anger bet bringing up that's the average. <laughs> that is a lot. That's a lot. Hoosiers uh, betting four point four billion dollars last year, and we're on track to do more than that this year. All right, Jim Merritt joins us next. We're getting into all the drama, the governor's race on the Republican side. It's Kendall and Casey on ninety-three WIBC. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. Ninety-three 
WIBC. It is the Kendall and Casey Show. I'm Rob. Casey's here. Hello, Casey. Hey, good morning. Look who it is. He is, well, he's one of the most beloved men in all of Indiana politics and government. 30 years in the Indiana State House, a man with a smile on his face and a song in his heart every single time we hear him. The great Jim Merritt. How are you, my friend? Robert, I'm well. All right. So uh, we talked about this earlier this week with Micah. Uh, there were 650 very passionate Republicans in a room earlier this week in Hamilton County for the fall dinner. The five of the six candidates for governor got up and spoke. Uh, you have heard the the speeches over at Abdul's website, IndiePolitics.org, in their entirety. These people, I don't really like any of these people. I, they're all kind of boring. What say you? Tell me what you're going to do as governor. Yeah. This campaign is, Casey's just kind of lurching forward. Yeah. I want to know what they're going to do. What they're going to do with the size of government, how they're going to keep us safe. The, the whole idea of of what is going to happen 2025, mm-hmm. and, and, and it's coming, what they're going to do. Most of these candidates have been announced for mm, December and Doden a year ago. They've had a lot of time to kind of incrementally start their campaigns, tell, them, tell us who they are, what they're going to do, and how they're going to do it. What it's, their vision for the state of Indiana is going to be. It seems to me like they're still in the introduction phase. They are. Like, this is who they I are. am. This is where I grew up. This is about me and my family. And, and the idea that no one's listening, but this is going to be, this coming May is going to be an insider's primary. And, and they've been going to county fairs. They've been going to Lincoln Day dinners. They've been going to every co- coffee clatch in the state of Indiana. And no one's really lining up uh, what they want to do. Doden's come up with a couple anti-constitutional, one anti-constitutional uh, issue that he's going to kind of take over some of the services in Indianapolis. Isn't that wild? Like the guy's been at it for a year and a half, and basically the only thing he's got is, "Hey, no taxes for teachers, and let's take over downtown Indy." Right, and and uh, <laughs> and we know that a great percentage p- passed his prologue. A great percentage of teachers are Democrats. Yeah, and uh, and this is a Republican primary. I, I have a question for you because our good friend April Gregory, who was live texting me the event, which was fabulous, it was like having a VIP service. I didn't have to be at the event, <laughs> and it was only for me. It wasn't even on Twitter. Uh, she wins the Best Friend of the Day award, and Micah both said the same thing, which tells me probably, and uh, you know, they're not talking to each other. They're probably spot on. They said between thirty and forty percent of the people in that room were undecided, which totally blew my mind because. I would think at a fall dinner, which is like a party insider deal, everybody's walking in there knowing, and it tells me a lot of people don't like any of these people either. Yeah, and if, if I've been in the race for a while, yeah, yikes. what did I do? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, how have I not had people gravitate to me? And and that applause line I, from uh, listening to IndyPolitics.org. Yeah, very good. Uh, Merritt it, totally butchered that in the Statehouse yeah. Happenings, but he got it right there. Yeah, it's very good. Statehouse <laughs> Capitol, you know, whatever happenings. But to, anyway, what what you, you hear is uh, Curtis Hill has kind of the dyed-in-the-wool support and uh, and and you would think that more people would be going and uh, and and being solid with another candidate, but they're kicking the tires. Uh, Brad Chambers entering the campaign for governor uh, late, albeit with five million dollars, mm-hmm. and with the Club for Growth endorsing Senator Braun. You know, I I think that I think it's going to be a high stakes uh, poker game where there's going to be a lot of money for very little people voting. Do, do you think amounts that, of people voting. do you think that they'll be able to get a consensus whoever it is I mean if everybody's so split 
No, I think I think the world split. Yeah. I think the Republican Party is split. I think there there. Uh, I, I think that it 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 wouldn't surprise me if somebody winning twenty five percent of the vote gets the nomination for governor in twenty twenty. Because that'll be the majority. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. It, yeah. And it isn't it amazing? You got six people running. Five were there. You have no idea for most of them what any of their policy proposals. Well, how they're going to accomplish their policy proposals, and. This sucks for me because I'm going to have to do the thing right now where I just vote for the person I think Holcomb likes the least, and that's probably Curtis right now. But it's like, somebody give me something. If somebody came out today, even if it were Chambers or Suzanne, who I generally am inclined to loathe based on their association with Holcomb and the establishment, if they came out and said, here's my ironclad proposal to fix property taxes. Hey, man, I may not like you, but if you've got a plan to make my finances better, I'm open to supporting you. Let me take you back in time. Bart Peterson initially ran for mayor uh, and won because of the Peterson plan. We knew exactly, not that I was supportive of it, but he laid that out to the city of Indianapolis, and it, 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 it attracted voters, probably Republicans as well. And he wins that election. And the, the candidate that comes with a, a viable plan for the future of the state of Indiana, what their vision is, and how they're going to do it, and it's feasible, mm-hmm. it's going to win that election. Jim Merritt is our guest. We're talking about this governor's primary. Let's shift uh, focus here real quick. You uh, were the most recent uh, sacrificial lamb running for mayor of Indianapolis. <laughs> and uh, no, I mean, that's serious, right? I mean, the, the Republican Party left you. You got to laugh. Well, I, I'm glad you can laugh. I don't, th- I mean, and you're the one they did it to. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, that was disgraceful what they did to you in 2019, where they're literally running a campaign across the state going, look at all these mayors we're helping get elected. I mean, it's like the far flung corners of the state. Hey, how about some help here in Indy? Bah, no, no, no need for that. Um, and, and, and the listeners know why. It's because Robert Kendall. That's right. right. No, I mean, you, you laugh about that, but you know absolutely people, there are people who used to you used to consider friends who absolutely hate you now because you're friends with me. You it, know that's absolutely it, true. It wasn't helpful. <laughs> but look at how happy you are now. I mean, that's really pathetic, but it really is true, and these are the people you're dealing with. Right. Um, the NDFOP comes out and says, we dislike both of these candidates. Shreve and Hawk said so much, for the first time ever, we're endorsing no one. What a giant middle finger to Jefferson Shreve, and what a terrible candidate he is. Well, I, I, I'm not going to go that far, but well, I, 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 I know you have, but that's not my style. My, my style is it's a missed opportunity for Jefferson Shreve because I think it would have put a lot of oomph, a lot of boom into his campaign for the next. Well, we're going to be starting to vote on October 3rd. Mm-hmm. So that's three weeks away. So I think it, it would have given somebody that is kind of on the fence that didn't like what happened. The riots of May, May of 2020, uh, it, a reason to come out and vote for Jefferson, and and uh, it was just a missed opportunity. And I'm sorry he didn't he didn't get the endorsement because what happened in the last four years, and specifically those two nights where our state. Our, our, our city and our state was defaced mm-hmm. and it was ugly and you can still see it in the state in, in downtown indianapolis and uh broken windows painted statues and it was just, and, and 
it was just a shameful time for the city of Indianapolis that night. And uh, we all want to know where the mayor was. We all want to know what he would do next time. No one's asked him and, and connected with Mayor Hogsett is exactly if this happens again in the next crisis, what are you going to do? That's what we want to vote for. What are you going to do? And in, in the coming days, I'm hopeful that Jefferson Shreve tells us what he's going to do and, and has a plan because right now, I think people that are uh, from Carmel or from suburban Indianapolis or, or in the city want to know if they go downtown, if they're going to be safe. I mean, right now, his weak sauce campaign is like uh, talking about abortion and going after law abiding gun owners. I mean, what? A, uh, so he's there's a debate. Did you did Hogsett agree to debate you when you were running? I can't remember. I, I had countless debates with 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 Joe, but, but more than likely replacement. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. So um, w- in this debate. If he has any chance to want to win, he can't wait for Wish TV to ask, hey, where were you during the riots? Because there's a 50-50 shot. They're not even going to do that. Nobody else does other than, I mean, I guess Wish TV did several years ago ask that. A reporter there did. But you've got to make every answer the question to Joe Hogsett. Where were you during the riots? Because everybody knows where he was. And what are you going to do next time? Because that was a disaster for the city of Indianapolis. And, yeah. and I think that's more important. You know, we had this problem and, and and we have to solve it. What are you going to do, Jefferson, next time? What are you going to do, Joe, next time? Because we weren't safe that night. Even if he does get hammered with that question during the debate, on the Wish TV debate, do you think that'll move the needle for Jefferson Shreve? I, I think it, we've talked about this program a lot about repetition and, and, and laying out who Jefferson Shreve is, laying out who Joe Hogsett is and what they're going to do different. And I, I, it's not going to be a debate. It's got to be, you know, those those advertising dollars that they're spending on and as well as social media. And I haven't seen a whole lot of it. You've got to tell the voters exactly what you would do different. All right, where can people find you? Jim Underline Merritt. Yeah, I love that. Hello, Gabriel. (laughs) And uh, as well as Merritt in the morning, we're going to have Attorney General Curtis Hill next week. Casey, take us home. All right, thank you, Jim. And uh, it's Kendall and Casey. It's 93 WIBC.